I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Marek, hello. Hello, David. I don't know what I was supposed to say to that. Oh, no, I there's, there's like nothing. I mean, you. Question. You, what I can do if you want. Yes, you I want do want that. Answer your question. Yes, I do want it. Uh, okay. Um, have you been watching any film trailers recently? Are you a film trailers fan? No. I do you tend not to? I think. Think they should be destroyed. <laughs> what for spoiling films? Yes. Okay. Do you not? Do you not like to sort of wet your appetite for something? See if you go. Oh, I, I I know nothing about that. I'll watch the trailer. See if I fancy it. It's been very rare that I the, watching a trailer has ever enhanced my experience. It's only just ruined the film side because I go once a week. I see a lot of the same trailers. Yeah. And it becomes quite boring. The standard time for adverts and trailers at the Pitch House Cinema which I go to now is approximately half an hour with adverts it's with mostly adverts. adverts isn't it for half an hour yeah, that's a long it's time really, it's really swollen <laughs> it was about 10 minutes but now you can just go in and what happens is that people get used people know there's a lot of adverts mm. so everyone comes in 20 minutes late yeah so when you're there sitting there, it just prolongs that horrible feeling of someone's going to sit in front of me, someone's going to sit in front of me, someone's going to sit in front of me. And rather than that being five minutes, yeah. it's now... But, you know, some of that money will be going to the cinema to keep it open, won't it? I mean, the number of screenings where you go in and you sit there and you go, oh, it's just me, that's wonderful. And they go, well, they've made £10 from showing this. <laughs> Their overheads are probably a lot more. I think they all do it for the love, for the, the love of the film. love of film. I think if there's, if the way to to uh, pay for it all and keep sin- independent cinemas open is to show adverts that none of us watch because we wait for fifteen well, minutes before watch, going into the screen. I watch all of that and buy all the products. Oh, do you? Every, every yeah. single car. That I, is advertised. I end up buying two or three cars. A Mazda, a Volvo, a, Ma- a yeah, Fiat two, Punto. A re- really standard. The, that terrible Volkswagen advert at the moment with a car. Cars going around in circles and slowing down. Yeah, you know when the, when the guys reading oh, newspaper. Oh, I hate them. I, I, it's one of the worst. Ever. I stop watching the screen when it comes on. You know, I'm just like, oh, I'm so bored of this. It's because it's been played so much as well. It's a, it's a really bad advert. Yeah, it's tedious. A car going round into to really loud sort of detective chase music, then then slowing down to nice music. I don't, I don't really get it. No. Well, it's it's about it's about them having. Uh, 
turning control yeah. things, but, but it's like, meh. Um, I once uh, I once filmed an advert for VW to be played in cinemas, and they didn't use it because it was so bad. <laughs> Wow! It was the worst filming experience of my life. That must it was have been a bad so effort. awful. Um, basically, am I going to tell this story? Yeah, I think I am. Um, it was one of the first thing, first jobs I ever got, and what they wanted was for people to go into the casting and pitch their own uh, wacky theory about a movie. So basically, they wanted film fans who have a sideways take on a film. Um, and so I went in with the pitch that the best uh, remake ever made was the film Leon, and it was a remake of King Kong, uh, and how Leon was actually the, the hairy ape, yeah. uh, and he uh, falls in love with uh, an innocent woman that he must protect, Girl. That Girl. even though they're in love with each other, their relationship could never be consummated, and he is ultimately doomed to be uh, dead on the streets of New York by the end. It's a stupid little theory, but and they went, they they liked how I actually cared about this stuff. Um, anyway, loads of people did this, and for the recalls, they made people sign a disclaimer that says, even if we you don't get the part, we can still use the thing you said in the adverts. Oh, so they were just bad. getting people to write their script yeah. for free. Anyway, finally did it, and I was cast in it, and I was playing a popcorn vendor in an independent cinema, so stupid little cardboard hat and apron. No trousers. No trousers. Dick out, obviously. Whoa! And, um, but behind the counter. Oh, fine. Um, and they gave me this speech about how Gandalf was incredibly irresponsible in the Lord of the Rings films because he could have just called the eagles to fly them all the way to Mount Doom. It's a, it's a standard uh, observation that yeah. everyone's said before online. Anyway, they, there was no script. They just told me to improvise it. I'd never been on a set before. I improvised... Especially with no pants and trousers. I know, real, real head fuck. I improvised it, and they were like, great, great. Um, okay, uh, let's go again. We'll go in slightly tighter. We'll go again. So I muddled my way through this thing again, looking straight into camera. And the, dire- uh, the director comes up to me after he shouts cut and goes, you said it a bit differently that time. I was like, well, yeah, I was making it up because mm. there's no script. He's like, try and make it as close as possible, otherwise they're not going to match, mate, are they? I'm just mm. like, what? <laughs> and what I now know, because I've done a lot more filming, is they were being totally um, amateurish and, uh, and unreasonable in that expectation. Yeah. But what I was thinking then was, shit, I have not prepared for this. I, I'm to blame. So I did another take, getting slightly more nervous, and the continuity guy goes, you moved your hand on a different word that time, so try and move your hand on the same one. The director will come up and go, play it deadpan. Uh, it's really funny when you're doing it deadpan. Literally, he would walk away, and as soon as his back would turn, the producer would come up and go, "Smile, you're enjoying yourself. Play it, play it like you're really happy." And I just, I just, it must, all of my nerves just must have been on my face because they didn't use it in the end. Because it was just yeah. like, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. It was horrible, absolutely horrible. So whichever advertising company was responsible for that, VW, don't use them again. They were bollocks. That sounds a little bit like the film where you went to see the cinema this week. Uh, it does a bit. <laughs> Probably their experiences were worse, I'd say. Well, it's it's, it's in the same ballpark. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Thanks. That means a lot. We went to see the film Son of Saul, which, if people haven't heard of this, it won the Best Foreign Language Oscar at the last Oscars. 
Um, it was recommended to us in uh, last week's episode yes, by uh, Sean Whitehead. It's also been very well reviewed. It's about a character called Saul, who's a Hungarian in Auschwitz, but he's a Sonderkommando, who are the uh, guys who have extra duties to actually help the machinery of extermination, basically. Uh, and they're, they're used to aid and abet the Nazis, and then usually they are executed themselves after a couple of months or three months or whatever. Um, and this film is about this character, Saul. He makes an emotional connection with this young boy who is executed in the gas chamber and just makes it his quest to steal the boy's body and give him a proper burial with with a rabbi and full ceremony um, whilst thousands of people are still being executed on a daily basis. Now that's that's the setup. It's, it's bleak. Yeah. But the way they film this is sort of fascinating. I think. What did you think of it? I think you're right. You have to talk about how it was filmed. Um, it reminded me of the same, the effective filming. Of what I love about Blue is the warmest color, which is the famous yes. love story. And what was really unique about that, I thought, when it came out, was it was just on her and it was her face. Yes. They seem to have used the same technique here. It's a it's a stunning uh, technique, actually. That the very first shot is completely out of focus, um, and it's of some people in uh, a forest digging or something. You're not quite sure, but there's definitely sort of German shouted voices around, and then Saul walks from the background into foreground and into focus. And into very much a close-up of his face. So there's very little in the peripheries. It's not shot in 4-3, but it's something similar, actually. It's a boxy um, aspect ratio in this. It's not widescreen. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So um, the the peripheries around his head, you can see very little at any one time. And it basically stays that close up to this central character for the entire film until the very end. Um, So... And they're the camera long, and they're never long takes as well, aren't they? Long, long takes. takes. It's not. It's not all one take, but they are very long takes. And so, all of he's obviously he's in Auschwitz, and he's part of the process of bringing in hundreds of people into a room, stripping them of all of their clothes, moving them into the showers, locking the doors, searching all of their clothes for valuables, then loading corpses onto carriers to be taken to furnaces. But you, all of that horror, you 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 don't really see. It's always out of focus because the entire film has a very narrow depth of focus. It's there. There are piles of corpses and stuff, but it's it's always still on him, the one man, and his almost emotionless face as well. Yeah, that's what I find interesting about it. I mean, yeah. compared to Blue is almost cold, which is the other film, and if her face is moving all over the place, and you really think you're travelling on it. He is quite cold broken man what but everyone in it is really some yeah. of them are they're emoting a bit more but all of his journey is internalized it's not on his face for you to read yeah and i think that's probably incredibly accurate um it's so it is a very i think probably accurate portrayal of one man's journey through that through that that horror I and it's a very interesting film as a result of it. I don't think I've ever seen uh, what it would have been like aesthetically and and you know from a practical point of view. So 
sort of starkly portrayed. And I've read things that say that people who are actually there have seen this film and they go, they sort of, it has their seal of approval. They're like, yes. I had difficulties with it actually as a film because mm-hmm. for all the, what I've just said, having somebody not externalise anything makes it very hard to actually, as a viewer, engage with their story. Well, he's, he's not uh, a, a likeable... He hasn't really got much charm to him at all as no, protagonist. and his quest is ultimately uh, motivated by nothing we understand. That's why I, could, I didn't know whether... I wouldn't understand it, whether that boy was his son. It wasn't, or what, no. It was just, he was just... He just started saying it was after a while. And there's a, another weird bit, which is which he meets a woman. And he seems to know her before. Yeah, but we never find out who she is. It's not it's not properly explained, and you feel there's what it does do in not explaining things and and the constant moving. Yeah. is have this feeling of total chaos and your knife complete lack knife of control, on a, on a knife edge, complete lack of control, where you could imagine yourself going along with the flow because you feel to do anything of your own uh, agency is to put your head above the parapet and maybe get killed. You know, that that is definitely there. But I did find it, for its subject matter, weirdly unmoving. I, didn't, I agree with you. I did not find it as... Mo- because of him, I did not find it as moving as other... Uh, you know, I found it like fascinating. Shinders, Shinders I didn't find like it moving. Uh, 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 There's uh, uh, no doubt it was a, it's a great, is is a fascinating bit of film. It's a difficult film to watch. And a, I think I think from a, a small budget film that this is, their stylistic technique of staying on the faces and you see you know you see very little of the the bigger epic picture is incredibly smart to uh, tell a fairly epic story on a small scale. You know, because you can see so little, they didn't need to have the huge, you know, uh, crowds or battles or anything because you only ever see a tiny bit at a time. The camera's always moving around. Yeah. I mean, I I think that was their intention to keep your focus on that, but ironically, for me, it almost drew my focus away from uh, the film because I thought, wow, Imagine doing all this artwork and sit. I, I, it, yeah. it, it, it's so intense. I was actually thinking all the people doing, all the other actors, all the sort of dead bodies, yeah. all the artwork, that's all been thrown away on this one style. It's, it's still there in the yeah. background, that set dressing. Yeah. And I found myself actually thinking, God, they, I bet that person did loads of. Who are those people, naked yeah, people? Yeah, yeah. I bet that person did loads of work. All this, it's quite a big cast as what, well. What I found was because it's so unemotional as a piece, actually, this, yeah. the, you know, a, he's got this. It becomes a quest, but we don't really understand, as I say, the motivations, why or what he really feels about that, why he's so driven by it. That um, we can only guess. It well, ended up, I, I thought it was, it became an incredibly stark portrayal of Auschwitz as just a industrial process yeah i've never seen because you see every stage of it and and that is it felt you know eye-opening that of just like uh, the numbers being churned through this this factory it it feels very real yeah but and uh, the other thing i'd say was uh, i think his lack of emotion i thought the filmmaker was maybe saying oh 
this is what how they his his humanity has already been broken. Yes, and because they're the Sonder Commander, they're sort of in between. They're traitors to their own race, and that they're, they're almost monsters themselves mm. to, for their own survival. That was that explained it. That they weren't likable characters. They're, they're already broken, mm. so they were half sort of dead anyway. In the fact that they become murderers. Yeah. But the uh, the now the production designer, the director, and the producer I read um, decided that they didn't want this to be beautiful. Um, I think in terms of the uh, cinematography. That's why I didn't get a part in it. Yeah, and they didn't want it to be um, a horror. They didn't want it to be a horror film in terms of the horrors of the Holocaust, you know. Um, and I think they've achieved those things, and I think I think it's very interesting to do so. I uh, I didn't get a lot out of it other than the intellectual rigor of thinking about it. Yeah, I would. I give it. I think it's a good film. I I was. I've, it's got five star reviews. Quite a lot of five star mm. reviews. I would give it seven Marics. I, I think I would it, too. It didn't really, really. It's odd because you sort of feel like you're a monster saying, um, "Yeah, they're not be what kill," but it didn't really move. Yeah, but at the end of the day, there are there are lots of films about this topic, and it has to be about how good this film is. And I think it's very, very well made. Um, but I think the 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 choices have also made it sort of unmoving and, and the whole purpose of tackling such a topic would be, I, I would think, to move you about things you hadn't thought about in that I way I think before. because the, 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 um, a lot of that was if you're using one person's face, like even going back to this blue is warmest colour thing, you see so, that improves that film mm. because her face is so animated and you see all the motions across her face and you feel really a huge link with that yeah. character. The, the lead, Saul... He's, almost, he's a poet, isn't he? The the actor. He's a oh, Hungarian really? poet who was he's mates almost with the director. Almost emotionless. So you you never really feel that it, it, attached to him, or mm. it's quite an odd experience. Yeah, he's not the best guide for you. Yeah, you know. As I say, I think it's probably a very accurate portrayal. But a film is not a document. You know, it's the film is not just exactly what happened. It's got to have its own voice. And I think this is trying to avoid having a voice, uh, but I don't really know why. It's getting pretty intellectual, David. Uh, sorry, man. Um, this is all getting a bit heavy, isn't it? Well, we did pick Son of Saul to talk I mean, about. This is supposed to be a light-hearted podcast. People eat have over. People eat. People listen to us having their porridge. Is that right? Is this the porridge podcast? I'm aiming for people to be consuming their porridge whilst consuming this podcast. So we want more sort of zippy uh, bits, you know, like top five lists, that kind of thing. Rather, no, no, stodgy. It's stodgy. Oh, stodgy. So it's not magazine-y, you want stodgy no, it's chat. it's the same equivalent as eating porridge. So this podcast is equivalent of just, you know, you listen to it a bit in the morning, yeah. and that is enough for the day. <laughs> <laughs> you never want to listen to anything else sure. till at least 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, okay, fine. Well, I think we've probably depressed everyone on their way to work now. Yeah. Hey-ho. I mean, Son of Saul, it is... An interesting piece of cinema. It's certainly one you could study and write essays on, right? But oh, essay! But I mean, film study students are going to shoot themselves. Oh, absolutely! It's real essay fodder. This one. Um, they should have put it on the poster. <laughs> real great for essays. essays. Sad content, but great for essays. I wonder put, what the boy at the end 
symbolises. And put loads of R's in, in the great, great for so, it. So people imagine Tony the Frosty's Tiger had said it. He'd have been good in it. <laughs> it would have been a, it would have been a weird choice if just suddenly one of the people brought in was Tony the Frosty's Tiger. Animated Tony. Animated Tony the Frosty's Tiger, who took off his tie. Does he wear clothes? I don't know. He's got sort of a, nap, a, a napkin. That's he's got a uh, bandana around his neck, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 I wonder what he's doing. He was probably available. Probably. I mean, I can't imagine those adverts take long for him to film each year. No. Do you know what? What? It's time for... This! Someone's written in. His name is Ben Evans. I am going to read it now. What do you think of that song? I really like that song. Someone's written in. I mean, I think I Here think is... almost this this podcast could be entirely jingles. I think that would work. Let me sing it to get it clean in case anyone wants to make a jingle out of it. Okay. Ready? Someone's written in. Here is what they said. I'm going to read it out. This is what I read. I don't think... Oh, 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 no. no. Oh, well. And they can use the oh no thing at the end. Oh no. Hi David Merrick buddy. Who's this from? Ben Evans. Ben Evans. I don't like sports docs or skateboarding much. But for some reason your recent podcast made me want to watch all this mayhem. Wow. It's so good. (laughs) Tony the Frosty's Tiger. Is that right? Up there with King of Kong. I would never have known about this if it wasn't for you guys. This is why you're my favourite listen. I mean, to be honest, it was just us reading out someone's recommendation. So um, I think <laughs> hey, it's Henry That King, is the yeah. service we provide. But we will take the credit. Talking of sports, I'm not a fan of any. A Periscope alert popped up saying a game was live streaming. So with my three-year-old daughter sitting next to me, I clicked on the link. We started getting really into it. She was jumping up and down saying, Oh, that was a close one, Daddy, as the ball bounced off the hoop. Top invention, Marek. He's talking about the live periscoping of Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. The sport I've invented, which some people periscope. I can't believe anyone actually watched it. You must be one of the five viewers on Periscope watching it. Well, it turns out it's great for your sons and daughters. So why not distract them with Wolfsburg? Yep. And buy them the merchandise. Buy merchandise. Anyway, sorry, back to the films. And he said that. He said that. Not me, but it It felt like both of you. Now that DVD extras are becoming a thing of the past, do you think any film was ever improved, benefited by the extra content? Personally, I love the scientific commentary over Sunshine by Smiley Brian Cox. I think it was better than the film, but I'm quite a geek. Uh, I never liked Star Wars because the physics were too flawed, and I'm on Marek's side when it comes to the superhero films. How do they get a hammer, the weight of a planet, onto a helicarrier? Keep watching the films. Ben. Well... Commentary. So you it's, comment- I, it's a sad truth. We've mentioned it, I think, once before on the podcast, but this idea that the of extra content, extra features was a tiny blip during uh, the era of DVDs, and now it's gone again. You know that they they needed to persuade people to buy the movie again, uh, basically, or just buy it um, and spend fifteen quid on it, which is why they had documentaries and you know directors' commentaries and the trailer and all of that. I really like that stuff. You know, some really fun stuff on there that you just won't see now. They'll bung it on YouTube, won't they? But it, Or on a special edition for really, really popular films, possibly. 
but people don't really buy DVDs the same anymore. When you really love the film, you want to see the extra things. I think, was it Ant Story of Annaville or was it the American movie? I saw some documentary extras in it. It's great when you could go and look on the... If you, yeah. And documentaries especially, because they've always had to edit stuff down. Yeah, yeah. There's some films that don't... Uh, fit, some bits that don't fit in. You I'm a big fan of deleted scenes. I think yeah. in a film you love, it is really interesting from a, a film geek's point of view to go, oh, I can see why that uh, they cut that for pace, but no, I would think that would have really filled in the blank that annoyed me slightly. And then director's commentaries and stuff, it's, it's, it's wonderful stuff. I think Netflix is sort of... It's just, I watched that film called about the uh, Back to the Future uh, documentary on Netflix, which felt like a really overly extended DVD commentary. Right. So you could get these cheaper documentaries, things sort of span it, but sometimes it was just a deleted scene with nothing else on. It's just put, who you, all you need is a title saying deleted scene, and how does that fit into any other? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit into that half an hour program bracket. It doesn't fit into anything else. You can go on YouTube, but you wouldn't ever really. And but the, more importantly, why would they bother putting them up now, apart yeah. from to preempt the digital release of a film or something? Because they want to promote sales. That's the only reason they bother creating this content in the first place. So no, I think it's I think it's a shame. We need to find a a monetary reason for them to create this stuff again. Doesn't it? Things you think would be around forever, just these weird sort of. Weird things that created yeah. from. I think bloopers reels still will be because they they make people go, oh yeah, I did love that film, and then maybe yeah. they'll go and buy it. But watching a forty five minute documentary about the making of, you know, Son of Saul, I don't know where where does where do you get that? They'll have to make feature length ones that people can then pay for separately. Yeah, and I, I think there's less of an interest in. No, what's that? That was a good question. Guess what? What? Someone has written in from the newly redesigned website. Well, I am pleased. Uh, we have a new website. It's in the same place, filmfandango.co.uk or filmfandango.com. Which one shall I start saying? Which one do you prefer, Marek? Because there's no point saying both. Which has a nicer ring to it? Well, the, uh, com's easier, isn't it? Because you automatically do com. Okay, fine. Uh, if you go to filmfandango.com, you can... Uh, listen to our entire back catalogue or get the latest episode or you can contact us uh, there is a form there to fill in and that will go directly to our email address if you'd rather just email us it's dearfilmfandango at gmail.com but why not go to filmfandango.com and just write in from there um, and you can also donate towards Film Fandango from there because uh, we do all of this for free so everyone who has done that thank you very much yes, thank you just put one million pounds into the but one box. million pounds that's six zeros and um, the one has to go in front of that not behind <laughs> uh, so who has contacted us by a brand new website well that's a surprise because you click on the link and you don't even know until you've you click on click, clicked on it it's Terence McAtomney that's a great surname McAtomney it is good isn't it that's made up isn't it <laughs> I don't know um, the subject is half watched films Okay, please read out in your best Belfast accent. How's your Belfast? Only read the first half of this. Uh, why? Yee, yee. Okay, you can do it, go on. Please read out in your best Belfast accent. <laughs> did, I can only do you, yee. Dear David Marrick, Northern Ireland, I, <laughs> I know we really enjoy your film podcast reviewing the films. 
if I go to the cinema, I gladly sit through a movie. But if I'm watching a movie on DVD, I sometimes watch an hour and then I come back to sit at a later time of day or day. Some films I've watched the first hour of and never watched the rest. Are there films you've done this with? P.S. Have you ever put Rebels or Mortises in your popcorn? I haven't, but I hear it's popular in America. Keep watching the films from Terence. Well, uh, I, I always give the Northern Ireland people a really aggressive... And you're quite right to. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, watch the watch a film halfway through. I don't think I could bear to. I do, I tell you what, I've done a lot recently, Terence. Uh, the Chaplin films. When I've watched them, uh, oh yeah, we've been playing as as our seven or eight regular listeners will know. Uh, we play the IMDb games where we go through. Yeah, there's a list on IMDb of their top two hundred and fifty rated films, uh, and we've been playing a game where starting at number one. You go through until you find a film you have not seen, and its ranking is your score out of a 250. Yeah. So um, I haven't looked at it recently, actually. I don't know what my score is up to now. Well, my point I was going to make is yeah. that with um, my biggest stumbling blocks have been the Chaplin films. I haven't seen them all. And I found when I watch those, and a lot of them are online now, I've had it quite hard to watch more than half an hour of Chaplin. Really? So I watched that in burst. It's, 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 it is, it's but it's a episode. sketch show. Yeah. It's a sketch show, Chaplin. So that's fair enough, really, I think. Um, I think documentaries feel that you can stop them more than films. Oh, I don't really? know. I have, a, I have a sense of that because I'm used to them being more in TV formats, half an hour formats. So my brain's almost programmed to be able to stop a documentary and come back to it. Whereas for film and yeah. the story, especially if it's... Set over if a film is set over a certain time period, i.e., you know, it's yeah. over, you do over lose the the, that tension and everything they've built yeah. up. If you know, if you're just doing it, if you're just dipping in and out like a book, you know. But I no, I've abandoned films. A couple of films I've abandoned. Captain cool. Corelli's Mandolin, uh, I abandoned because even for me, Nicolas Cage's performance in that was so appalling, I couldn't bear to watch anymore. Um, it was charmless. Poor Nicholas. Poor Nicholas Cage. Poor Nicholas Cage doesn't have any money left. Poor Nicholas Cage. I had a lot of songs this week. Have you ever put? As his second question was, ever put Rebels and Mortises in your popcorn? Fuck off, mate. No, no, I haven't. Um, that sounds disgusting. I think that's a really good idea. Really. Oh. It's a bit weird, like with nuts and. Um, no, I go for salty popcorn, you see. I have mixed. Ah. Uh, nuts, where you put raisins in nuts and you put your hand in, you know, you get mixed nuts. They always help it having a bit of sweetness. A bit of sweetness in, yeah. in the salt. Okay. A similar sort of thing that's been reinterpreted for. Reinterpreted? Yes, it's a new word. Reinterp- when you. Uh, but I think if you've got the toffee revel with some popcorn, that could really fuck up your teeth, couldn't it? Because popcorn already you. gets in, so if it was like covered in, because it's really hard toffee, the rebel yeah. toffee, I think that's dangerous. I think you are dicing with death doing that. Well, that, well there is the conclusion there for you. Mm. Uh, the last email. Oh, this is a good one. All right. Who is it, and what do they want? Would well, you want to read it? Yeah, all right. It's from Christopher Dodd. 
He's fast becoming a regular writer in a row. Writer in a Writer in a Christopher Dodd. He says, Hi guys, I've been into the future and seen the completed full movie, The Bumming Man. Pause. Explanation. <laughs> the Bumming Man. I mean, if you still listen to this podcast now, you will know. The Bumming Man is a film I've been talking about. A, a, a fictional film I'm going to make for the past three years. <laughs> I stopped talking about the Bowing Man for about six months. Very recently, it's really, really. I mean, it's really accelerated to the point of. uh, He's overtaking us. This is becoming a podcast about us talking about a fictional film called The Bowing Man, which is, for me, will be brilliant. Anyway, continue. Okay. I now have travelled back in time with my review of the film. I thought if I shared that review with you today, then you could alter the future film and make it the masterpiece it so nearly is. And this itself is a film. It is a film. This is the sequel. Uh, is about the film The Bowing Man. It, in that Halloween, isn't it? In a way, it's that um, that meta sequel thing, uh, like uh, the Human Centipede did, where Human Centipede Two is about a weird man obsessed with the film The Human Centipede. Uh, you can follow that. Uh, so here's the review of The Bumming Man from the future. The expectations for this film were nearly as high as they were for Star Wars The Force Awakens. I attended a packed cinema on the opening night, full of hope that the full film would live up to the teaser trailers, and I was not disappointed. <laughs> the Bumming Man's opening act was astonishing. To see The Bumming Man's home world, Krakatoa, brought to life in all its CGI wonder was a dream come true. The action, romance, and how he travelled light years from his home world through a bumhole in space was completely believable. The action set piece of the film at SeaWorld Orlando was edge-of-the-seat stuff. To combine water, fresh fish, and inflatables in the fight sequence was inspiring. The audience cheered for the bumming man as he caught the film's baddie, fat ass, and gave him what for. How refreshing also to find in the film a genuine love story amongst all the action mayhem. When the bumming man first met Cheeky Charlie, the chemistry between them was palpable. This perhaps also is my only criticism, in that in this romance, romance, we saw too much of the inner bumming man. Perhaps that could have been saved for the sequels. I cried buckets of tears in the final act. All those asses, all that thrusting, all those tired cheeks, and the bumming man could still not find the love he craved for so much. Hope you enjoyed the review, guys. Let's get this project off the ground. Kind regards, Chris. I've got a slight problem with this. Right. I clear from the email that I'm not involved in the Boeing Man. Well, it sounds like creative control has been wrestled away from you. Because you it? know full well that I do not like superhero films. And clearly the Boeing Man is... big become... CGI uh, set pieces. So. And this Boeing Man is all superhero and is uh, it, it's all superheroes and CGI. So my first worry is... Mm. Is that how long in the future is this made? Because obviously, I would never relinquish control of the Bowman in my own well, lifetime. So it means I've do- I've been killed. I've, well, you've you've been. I think you've been lawyered out of the equation. But well, I hope, the I hope review, I've not been killed. The review says uh, the expectations for this film were greater even than Star Wars: The Force Awakens, which is that's a pretty recent reference. I don't think in ten years' time they're going to be saying that. So I think I think this gets rushed into production pretty fast. So there's no mention of me being in it. No, which is really or annoying. me playing the bleacher as yeah. I you've promised me. So and my idea I mean, of the bumming man was along the lines of the running man, but sort of Blade Runner esque. You know, okay, yeah, it's yeah. A sort of dystopian future. Yeah, and the bumming man's a guy who's down his luck 
a bit like me. He's a sure. Are you playing him? I don't. I think I should be in it. Sure, but playing playing the you think you can lead a film, mate? Well, this is the sort of problem. This is I mean, this is, this is a very uh, problem. Uh, reason my career's going bad. But <laughs> sure. You're basically saying I should. I think you'd be better off just like the bar, the weird barman in the background, like the alien barman who comes in in that scene that's being cut. That yeah, one, the one, the alien barman comes in. And he's got a bag of dicks in his coat. <laughs> That's I mean, you. Yeah, I can see it though. I mean, we, I will be playing the bombing. But... I will be playing the bombing. Oh, okay, okay, fine. It'll be. I mean, is he used the word nuanced performance? Because that's exactly <laughs> what I would. That is exactly what I would a bring to it. Complex performance. It's I, the opposite. I like about... the phrase "the inner bombing man," though. That's good. That is good. I think he's made too much of the bombing. I like. He's called the bombing man. You don't need to do all those bombing jokes. You just, you know. No, no, that's not what it's about. It's not cheap. It's just. This is it's classy. Yeah, it's early Ridley be... Scott. That's what we're talking about. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's yeah. rainy streaks. It's deep sighs, and it's a man and his ass <laughs> hanging out. But the bumming man. Yeah. I say that, but the bumming man should be doing the guy. He's the guy doing the bumming, isn't he? Well, I don't know. We don't know about his checkered past. I can't remember what I said in early in early carnations of the um, bumming man. What, what incarnations? In, no carnations. <laughs> I've, I've said reinterpreted. Early carnations. I won't say reincarnation, but I took the rein off and said early carnations. Okay. He's a he's he's got carnations. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's quite carnations in the rain. It's quite a poetic image. What he does is rather than even unicorn, after he's bummed someone, he lays a carnation in their bum crack and says. Too bad you won't live. That's, yeah. But then again, who does? And the, you see the wet, you see the raindrops coming down. You follow the stem of, you follow the stem of the carnation into the bumble crack, and fade to black. Uh, Cue applause. Cue applause and cash dollars. Thank you. Um, well, we'll see what happens with the bumming man. Yeah, I should get around to making. A, we should do a trailer for it. Really, we really we? should. We really should. If you want to get your ass out for this. I think it's just all in, it's all um, innuendo really it's all it's, you never see it it's just on the, sure. a bit like I'm using the sun classy of, you're saying it's classy I'm saying the sun of soul thing you never see or you, or you do the whole thing of just someone's bum that's how you make it, it cheap just you follow his bum around the whole <laughs> thing you hear his conversations but yeah, you never yeah. see his face it's just the bum and the crotches of the people he's standing opposite yes yeah round the side of the, the bum. whole thing is the bum I mean I think we've just cracked it Okay, um, talking about for the next film, talking about our correspondence. I tell you, who hasn't written it in a while. Who's that? Well, he was our number one fan for a bit. Chris Webb. Chris Blooming Webb. Where where is he? Do you think? Well, New Zealand, but where well, else is he? Yeah, I he he contacted me on Facebook directly. Oh, has he? Yeah, we sometimes chat about films. Oh, that's nice. So we've we've tra- we've grown from emails into that. Into that, well. You can Facebook us at forward slash Film Fandango or tweet us at Film Fandango. All these options are available. Chris Webb recommended me a film and I didn't have much time because of my uh, painting and decorating <laughs> duties. Sure. So I watched a film on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with my... Someone's stolen the end of my words. I don't know. Getting the end of my words. I watched a film on Netflix I've got. It's basically just one film. <laughs> At the time, it's it's a real budget version. <laughs> the scroll down menu is yeah, just one, one film. Netflix. <laughs> it's cheaper. It's yeah, two pounds a month. It's much better. 
<laughs> anyway, things are going badly. I've I've downgraded from Netflix to Netflix, and the film on Netflix <laughs> was called Hush. Hush. Okay. Yeah. What is this about? What is it? It is all been. It's a low budget film. It's a horror film. Uh, and it is taking a, a genre. A, everything in this film has been done before, but it is done quite well, I'd say. Okay. So it's a girl who's uh, uh, she's deaf and dumb. She's a writer, and she's in a country house, and she's gone. She lives there to write her book, and uh, basically, um, uh, uh, a psychopath murderer arrives. A home invasion, kind yeah. Of thing. Right. And it's all set in the house, so. It's another way of doing a lot of low budget things, a bottle episode. So they've, it's just a bottle episode in a house in the woods. Great. I mean, that's. I, I'm a big fan of good bottle episodes. And I think, yeah, I think it's a, a, another way of doing it. And because the, you feel as though you were. Mentally, because you feel it's a house in the middle of nowhere, you don't feel psychologically confined to a bottle episode. It doesn't feel as if it's just one thing because yeah, you yeah. you can see the outside. Yeah. Do they go into the grounds at all, or is it all inside? A little bit. It's okay. a bit inside and outside. Um, now this, I I I'll just say it's a it's a, a quite a good horror. I give it seven marics. But the main question that I want to talk about this one was interesting is that at the start, the murdering psychopath isn't really spoilers because it's on the p- picture of it is wearing a scary one of those scary masks, i.e. Jason Voorhees. Yeah, yeah. Or the Halloween bloke, what's his name? Uh, Mike Myers. Mike Myers, not Mike Myers. Michael. It is Mike Myers. Mike Myers is a comedian. Yeah, it's Michael Myers. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Um, They're both Mike Myers. Okay. Uh, and he has a mask on at the start of it, and it's scary because of the mask. Yeah. Early doors, isn't? He takes the mask off to reveal himself. I think this, and someone else wrote an IMDb this as well. It really spoils the film. I felt I was had a tinglings of being scared, and as soon as I knew, saw the bloke's face. Yeah, yeah, it's just an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it is a problem in horror films revealing your baddie too soon, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, a masterclass in it is Alien, where you just sit and get glimmers of it, and you really don't see it till the final act. And Predator as well. Yeah, you say the yeah. same thing. Absolutely. Well, it's invisible for most of it. Well, isn't perfect. It? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Is uh, so he should have kept his mask on. Is what you're saying? Yes. I mean, uh, with uh, Mike Myers, you never see his face truly. There's a little one tiny you can you do, freeze yeah. frame to yeah, sort yeah. of see it, but yeah. Um, and Jason Voorhees, he's he's not in the first film. He's got a bag on his head in the second one. Doesn't hockey get mask is in three. Yeah. In number three, yeah. He should have kept the bag. I think the bag's a good look. The hockey mask is great, though. It's a yeah, great it's call. Good. It's strange how masks has become a... So this is just a borrow that mask thing. I couldn't find out what the budget was in this film. I almost wanted to respect it in terms of how much budget it had. <laughs> what, for masks? You think they had to... No, for Hush, how much it cost them to make Oh, right. You're not saying they had to take the mask back to the rental shop because they ran out of budget? Maybe that's why. <laughs> Maybe. You got it for two nights. So we quickly have to shoot a thing where you take it off because otherwise it's not going to make sense. Um... Why is it that masked things are scarier? Do you think? I think because it leaves the true face of it to your imagination, which is always going to be worse. And if, yeah, if, if you see someone's face, you may think they're human, so you could appeal 
there's a chance you could appeal to their sensibilities. Yeah, it's something about just seeing the eyes as well. But you're right. I mean, I'm looking up the best horror masks now. Um, but Scream, the mask didn't really ever work. I never found that scary, the Scream mask. But it was a parody, wasn't it? it yeah, was sort, yeah. It was using uh, Monks the Scream, but to do a Jason Voorhees or a, or a what's he called? Halloween. Michael um, Myers. Michael Myers. What mask would you wear if you were a horror person? A horror person? Mm, what mask would I wear? Pancake, we good? That would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pancake day. Or maybe that would be a good one. Pancake day and the bloke pancake. Say, he's a guy with, with pancakes. A, with a knob of butter for a nose. A lemon. That dribbles down his it's mouth. Syrup, golden syrup dribbling down his face. Okay. It's pancake day. Maybe one of uh, Gonzo from The Muppets. That would be quite frightening. I think Pancake Day is a horror film. Oh, you, what are you now? You're uh, going on to a different film now. Oh, there's you? a bow man, and Pancake Day is a horror film about a man with pancake on his face. Yeah. And it's only one day a year he comes out. Uh, to, name? Just to kill. Yeah. Flip. <laughs> Flippy. Uh, his, his name's, uh, his name's uh, Patrick Day. So he's P Day. Oh is, yeah, is what's on his, uh, his hey, name man, tag. That, this film will scare the crap out of you. <laughs> That's excellent. Already what done. A great punchline. It writes line. itself. It's Pancake Day. What will you have on yours? And you have a Pancake Day. And the trailer is a plate with a pancake. What will you have on yours? And a splat of blood across it. Yeah. Um, pancake Day. What does he kill people with? Lemon. A squeeze pan. lemon in their eyes with pans. Uh, spatula spatula yeah for when it's all got a bit burnt you need to go through all the toppings really and work yeah you've got to have multiple deaths different deaths haven't you how would you eat yours <laughs> no that's that's the tagline of cream eggs how are you eat yours <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've just stolen the tagline of cream eggs oh no I've done it in a sinister voice every little helps <laughs> That's quite good fun doing all the yeah, all the yeah. taglines in there. Do, what other ones are there? Pancake day. It's good to talk. Everyday prices. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's everyday prices? I don't. It sounds like one, doesn't it? It does. Um, I I like Pancake Day. I think I think that's uh, that's yours now. This counts as copyright, and you should write that up. The Bumming Man and Pancake Day. I might make these horror films then. If you would like me to make that of him, why not send a billion pounds? <laughs> Just go to our website, filmfandango.com, click the donate button and type one billion pounds. We've done it. the donation. Well, I think that's about it, uh, isn't yeah, it, yeah. For, for that? Yeah, okay. Well, um, that's us for this week. We'll be back next week with more films. Oh, why not? This is, I've been listening to a few of the podcasts. Hmm. Um... I have to recommend one. It, it doesn't touch that invisibility one I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, do it. Which is amazing. But they always bang on about, as I said before, about people writing comments in our in our iTunes, iTunes. page. I don't really know how it works. But if you'd like to write a review on iTunes that's favourable and subscribe to us, that helps our visibility with iTunes and more but, people might find the podcast. So Yeah, we're just sort of static around the same people for the last Absolutely. three Absolutely, and we <laughs> like those people. You know, we like them. But, you know, it'd be nice to spread the word further. Uh, so why not do that? Or not, you know, if you're busy. Just go do the shopping. I can imagine you have better things to do. But why not do online shopping instead? And then, rather than going to the shops, yeah. then it will give you time to write something in our comments 
board. Every little helps. <laughs> because you're worth it. All right. Bye, everyone. And remember, keep watching the films. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare insurance plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.